0: Well, here we are. It's uh, not something I thought yesterday I'd be doing right now, uh, but I appreciate Mark and uh, his willingness to ask me to stand here today. And this is not something that I take lightly. This room is a holy place set apart for a particular purpose. This desk is a holy desk set apart for a particular purpose. When we think about this room and what has taken place in this room, since the groundbreaking in 1905, uh, this has been a historic place for the city of Montgomery. You can see this red dome that feels like home. You can see it coming in from I-65. I live in Prattville. I look at this dome every day as I make my way in and pray. On October 31st, after the arson attack and the weeks in the parking lot, we made our way into this building for the very first time for a morning worship service since 2004. More than 17 years. Many people that serve on our church staff were not on our church staff at that time. Many of them had never been in here for a morning worship service. I've been on staff a little over 18 years, and uh, although we were worshiping in here when I arrived, I had never preached on this platform until this morning, on a Sunday morning. I'd done some Sunday nights, of course, funerals, weddings, Bible studies, things of this nature, but not a Sunday morning worship service preaching the sermon. So this has been a very special day in my life as well to have the opportunity of doing that. Again, it is not something that I take lightly, and so I pray that God will use my words this day to bring about change in your life, that he will do as what I will pray in just a few minutes, that he will hide me behind the cross, and that we can leave this place today changed and better for the fact that we have been here worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is the very reason that we are here. This is a holy place. When the arsonist came down this aisle with that that flammable material and up this with the accelerant, God was not finished with this building. There's not a natural explanation that this is not a pile of rubble right now. Yes, we have flame-retardant carpet, but where you are seated, there's a wood floor underneath you. That 100 year old (laughs) oak tongue and groove wood, and just one teeny tiny little air crack where that air from the basement could have come up through there and advanced that flame, and this place would have gone up in a heartbeat. There's no natural explanation why it didn't, but there's a supernatural explanation. God wanted to save this place, not because it is a building, but because it is a place where His Spirit has worked for more than 100 years and will continue to do so in the years ahead. So we praise the Lord for that and that opportunity to be together. Well, today we're going to look at, be looking at the book of Psalms, particularly Psalm 1, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. But I want to take just a moment of a personal privilege before I do that. When, when you refer to the book of Psalms, it's plural, Psalms, the book of Psalms. But when you talk about one psalm, it's singular, so it's not Psalms one, it's Psalm one. A lot of people make that mistake, and even some of the online Bibles do it and everything. I've had a conversation with uh, one of their editors about that. <laughs> Didn't get anywhere, but... Somebody answered the call at 5.30 in the morning. (laughs) Well, at any rate, it's Psalm 1, the book of Psalms. It's not Revelations. It's Revelation. And in Alabama, it's not Walmarts. It's Walmart. (laughs) Just some common mistakes that we make here in the South. So we'll look at this in just a moment. But before you... You have a hymnal there in your, I'm not asking you to take it, but you've got a hymnal like this. Maybe it's blue, maybe it's white. This is the 1991 edition of the Baptist hymnal. So many had been before it, uh, at least one has come since it. And um, the editors were very careful putting this together. They took all the hymns, you know, and I don't know how they went about doing all of this, but they decided that the hymns that they were going to place in this hymnal. And then they categorized those hymns and they made it somewhat topical. For instance, all of the Christmas carols are put together in the same area of the hymnal. So you can just turn from one right to the other just as you turn the pages. Those hymns that deal with the cross and crucifixion are placed together in the hymnal. Again, just some strategic thinking about how to put this together. The invitation hymns and those of consecration are placed together in the hymnal. So the editors were were very, very much involved in placing the hymns where they are in this book. Well, the book of Psalms that we have in our Bible is really the hymnal of the first temple. And the editors of what we have in the book of Psalms itself were very intentional as to where they placed different Psalms. And so they placed them together. If they're Psalms that are dealing with the Psalms of ascent of going up to the temple, they put them all together. And so it is no accident that Psalm 1 is placed where it is as a proper introduction to the entire book of Psalms. Not only that, but they divided it up into five different books. And your Bible may say that. Mine right here at the very beginning says book one, Psalm one. And so they divided the scroll of Psalms. Can you you imagine how big that would be if it were just only one scroll? Nobody could carry it. And so they divided it up into five different areas to go along with the five books of the law, the Torah, the Torah, And they did it so they could handle it as well. And so we are here at the very beginning of the book of Psalms for Psalm 1. So, let's read Psalm 1 together. I'll be reading from the New International Version. The psalmist writes, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked... Or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked... They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity of being in this place. For the reading of your word this day. And Lord, I do ask that you would get me out of the way and hide me behind your cross this day. May you use the words that are said here from this platform and behind this pulpit, use them for your glory. May you transform my words into your words to open our hearts and bring about change this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we look at this particular psalm, Psalm 1, we discover that we have really two portraits of life before us. The psalmist paints for us the portrait of a righteous individual and shares with us some characteristics of that individual's life. And then he turns right around and he paints for us the portrait of an unrighteous individual and some characteristics about this person's life as well. Psalm 1 is commonly referred to as a threshold psalm. It's, as I said earlier, no accident as to the reason for this psalm being at the very beginning of the book of Psalms. It's like that threshold, like when you go into your house and you walk through the front door across that threshold. And you begin to be able to see into the house. Maybe you're in the foyer of the house. You've just crossed across that threshold. And you can look beyond the foyer and maybe you can see over into the living area or perhaps over here into the dining area or even over into the kitchen, depending on the layout of the home. You begin to get an understanding of that house just by standing in the foyer. That's the way the book of Psalms is laid out for us, a threshold psalm. About two years ago, I was doing some work out here in the foyer, and uh, I happened to look down at the threshold to these double doors right back here. And if you're in the center aisle, if you're exiting the center aisle, I want to encourage you as you leave the building in a bit just to look at that threshold. As I looked down to that original threshold there that's been there for a hundred plus years, it has seen quite a bit. It's scarred up, it's pretty low, but then I began to think about what all it had seen. In a hundred plus years, how many brides had been on their daddy's arm and stepped across that threshold? And then just a few minutes later stepped back across that threshold on the arm of their husband. Oh, it's a bunch. A lot of you in this room. How many caskets have rolled across that threshold? Coming back to the place maybe where they were baptized, married, saved. How many Or how many other people have walked across that? And so as I stood there and looked at that threshold at the end of this aisle, I began to think about all of those things, and my mind was drawn to Psalm 1 as being a threshold psalm. And I began to think of the words of it, and I looked up this aisle and to this pulpit and straight up to these pipes. And standing back there in the foyer at that threshold, I got a good understanding of this room and how the Lord works. And so in Psalm 1, we find the same type of thing happening here, that it is a threshold that is showing us what the book of Psalms is all about. He begins with a statement of his theme, and he contrasts the righteous and the unrighteous individual, and he deals with four particular points. He deals with the character of an individual, that is how they are on the inside, their integrity. He deals with the influence of the individual, that is, those people that he or she has surrounded themselves with. He deals with the conduct of the individual, their acts, their spiritual deportment, how they carry themselves, and he deals with their destiny, their goal in life. Interestingly, these four points become the backbone of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So when Jesus was speaking to those disciples in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we see that he had the wisdom of the Psalms to draw from, and they too had an understanding of that. Well, let's look deeper into these two portraits of life that we find here in this little Psalm. First of all, the righteous individual, the portrait of the righteous individual, again found in verses 1 through 3. Notice that the psalmist begins with that little word, blessed, which again reminds us of the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes that Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount with. We commonly think of that word blessed as being happy. Happy is the man. Happy is the individual. I personally do not like using happy in our society today because it's just so linked to our emotions. I had a seminary professor that would use congratulations. To be congratulated is the individual that does this thing. And so congratulations are in order to the individual that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Congratulations, you don't do that. And it's interesting how he places this natural digression of sin here that when he talks about... Walking and standing and sitting. So let me ask you a personal question just to think about today. What is an area that you struggle in as far as temptation is concerned? What is a nagging temptation that you have in your life that you struggle with? And let me illustrate that for you in a very simple way. Let's just simply say that you're trying to lose weight. But you really like pastries. And you have a special bakery that you love to go to. And so you think, you know, I'm not going to eat a pastry. But I'm on that street, and it's just a block away. I think I'll just walk right down here to the bakery. And that's all I'm going to do is walk. And then suddenly... You stop and you're standing and you're looking in the window. And the next thing you know, you're sitting inside at a little table eating that pastry. A natural digression of temptation and sin in our lives. And here the psalmist says the wise individual is too smart for that. He is not going to fall into the... The problem of walking in the counsel of the wicked or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of mockers. But rather, his delight is in the law of the Lord. He's going to spend time in God's Word. Now, for the psalmist, the law of the Lord is the Torah, those first five books. For us, it is the entire Bible that he is spending time, we are to spend time in the Word of the Lord And we should be meditating on his word. I like to substitute marinate. You know how you take a a steak or something of that nature and you marinate it to make it tender. And when we marinate God's word, it makes our heart tender to his will and his way for us. The psalmist moves further and says that he is like a tree planted by streams of water, this beautiful simile of a transplanted tree. By the way, in the Hebrew, it literally means that this is a tree that has been transplanted and placed in an area of of advantage. This would be like digging up a tree where it's in a poor environment and then moving it down to the banks of the Alabama River where it has good soil and plenty of water to draw from purposely placed in a position of advantage the same thing happens in our lives when we conform to the will and way of the Lord he uses other individuals to help us along the way people that mentor us in our spiritual development purposely placing us in a position of advantage along the way years ago The musician Ken Meetham, a blind musician, pianist that wrote Moses. Some of you remember that song. He wrote a little song about the tree. And I want to try to remember one of the verses because he just captured this moment so well. The song went something like this. I saw a tree by the riverside one day as I walked along. Straight as an arrow and growing tall and strong. I said to the riverside tree, how do you grow so tall and strong? This is the song my tree friend sang to me. I've got roots growing down to the water. I've got leaves growing up in the sunshine. And the fruit that I bear is a sign of the life in me. I'm shade for the hot summer sundown. I am nest for the birds of the heavens. I'm becoming what the Lord of Trees meant me to be, a strong, young tree. So how about you? God has purposely placed you in a position of advantage. Are you allowing your roots to dig deep down into his word and capture that vital nourishment and to make a difference in your life? Well, here we see that the psalmist says the wise individual is willing to do that, and because of that, whatever this individual does prospers. But then he moves on and paints the opposite picture for us, the portrait of the unrighteous individual. And here he says in verses 4 through 6, Not so, not so the wicked, They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The portrait of the unrighteous man is the exact opposite of the righteous individual. He is not like the tree that has been purposely placed in a position of advantage with roots growing deep down to vital nourishment, but rather, this individual is like a tumbleweed no root whatsoever moving whichever way the winds of time blow against him and the problems of life, he's going to go that way. He is like trash. Do you ever have trash that blows over into your yard? Uh, maybe, Maybe you have a neighbor that has some trash that blows over in your yard. Maybe there's a retailer down the road and those plastic bags blow over into your yard. That's what this individual is like. You see, his character, his conduct, his destiny are all wrong. Jesus said that this this individual is like a house that is built on the sand. There's no foundation, no anchor, no rock, no home, and finally, no God. He goes further to say that the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As I thought about this passage of scripture, I began to think about this righteous and unrighteous individual and I thought in my mind, you know, I can identify here. I can see how I was as a lost individual before I allowed Jesus to enter my heart and make a difference. And I hope and pray that I can be more like that righteous individual at this time But as I read back over this, I thought this could be the same person, just different points in time. And so I I just jotted down a little poem that I want to share with you today in closing that goes like this. Two portraits hang before us there upon the wall. One is of a righteous man, the other doomed to fall. The righteous man dwells on God and walks with him each day. The other man thinks of self and chooses his own way. But if we take a closer look, something comes to mind. The characters are one and the same, just different points in time. The portraits are a matter of either are, the results of which we see. Either we live a life refusing change or become what we ought to be. So in closing today, let me ask you this question, as you look back over Psalm 1: which portrait is yours? We find ourselves today on our commitment Sunday. You see, our commitment is, and our whole stewardship emphasis is not just about a tithe. It's not about 10 percent. It's about our lives. It's about the fact that everything that we have has been given to us because of our Lord and everything belongs to him. We are just simply a steward, someone that takes care of these things. So we've asked you this year to pray over this commitment and to think about your time, your talent, your treasure, and making that commitment to God. And as we move into our commitment time in just a moment, maybe some of you would like to come and lay your commitment card on the altar. You're certainly welcome to do that. You're not required to do that, but you may want to respond in that way. But would you bow your heads with me for just a moment, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And as we look at these particular portraits this day, we ask that we would look more and more like that righteous individual on a daily basis. As Mark said last week, that when we take our head off the pillow in the morning and then we place our head back on that pillow in the evening, may we look more like you. And so we ask you to help us to be good stewards of what you have entrusted to us and that we would commit ourselves wholeheartedly to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.